Guys, hello and welcome back. I'm Jojo Fraser and it's time for a Mojo Injection, episode 55. Welcome. Thank you so much for coming back. I had some more feedback this week that people have been training for runs and they're tuning into the podcast. I just love this. Um, it's been helping people through the mundane housework, um, long trips in the car. Ah, oh, just makes me so happy. And yeah, just bu- 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 buzzing. Um, so thank you guys. Uh, it's great to be back. And the intention of this episode is to fire up your mojo. Very, very honest and no holding back this is what we like we're taking the mask off we're toning down the ego a bit and we're sharing and we're giving lots of fabulous tips and this week i this was a live podcast so i shared have shared quite a few live podcasts on here so how can i describe the night at the well-being lab at dalkeith country park i had jen wood and i she was interviewing myself and we were in a very open discussion Jen Wood is an amazing therapist, um, psychotherapist, doing a lot of great work at the Wellbeing Yard and privately. And she's seeing a lot of people, which is great. You know, people are coming to her saying, look, I really need help. She is very, very busy, but that's a good sign because it means people are talking. And last night I was so thrilled to see so many turn up to our Wellness Talks event. I was delighted to be asked to launch that with Jen Wood and it was just an incredible conversation and we had some wonderful feedback from it already. People are implementing some of the tips that we discussed openly and another thing is, you know, this stuff is still taboo. There's been so many improvements over the past four or five years. Brilliant. But it's still a bit taboo. So some people were saying, oh, my partner or my friend was saying, what are you, where are you going tonight? Where are you going tonight? Some therapy? Uh, is it an AA meeting or something? I was like, no, it's just, we're just chatting. We're just um, making these conversations around our minds normal to have because we all go through issues and when we try and be perfect it's blooming exhausting isn't it um so i feel really energized this morning from last night and i'm so delighted to be able to share it thank you for all the messages of people that wanted to come couldn't be there um i know it can be hard to get out if you've got young kids or you don't have transport or you know you're just busy juggling life um so that's the great thing about a podcast we can put it out there and you can catch up in your own time and my intention is that you will just listen with an open mind and jen has some phenomenal tips here so it's free therapy as i said last night um and yeah i'm just really thrilled so enjoy guys and karaoke we didn't do that so i'm gonna have to sing us out Um, I'm feeling quite summery. I've got a trip coming up and maybe on a beach um, quite soon. So let me let me sing sing us out with something uplifting and in the mojo. Thank you for being here. Please rate us, guys. I would love to see lots of stars for Jen. I would love more people to find this. Um, So please leave a a rating or just hit the star and allow more people to get this um, free podcast because we want to help really help people. And yeah, buzzing. 
Thank you so much to Jen. Thank you to the team at Dalkeith Country Park. I'll be back there on the 17th of July with Radio 4th, um, doing some more amazing event there. So I'll tell you more about that soon. But you'll probably hear if you listen to the radio that being advertised. So come along if you would like, 17th of July. Um, But yeah, take care. Lots of love. to you know get up if you want to get something because you sleep and, and you're welcome to at the end as well help yourself <clears throat> so welcome to our the first of our well-being talks here um, at restoration yard it's really lovely to have you all here and I'm really excited to welcome Jojo Fraser um, who is going to be really kind of chatting to us today, um, talking about her latest book. Um, and if anyone doesn't have a copy of this, um, we do have some for sale, and Jojo will be signing them afterwards. And one of the uh, reasons that I was really excited to um, that, that Jojo um, agreed to come and speak to us tonight was that... Um, one of um, I was, since I've been following you, I feel that you've really um, kind of started to talk about mental health and, and started to take some of the stigma away from talking about mental health because I think it can be really a taboo subject. It can be very hard to speak about. Um, my name's Jen Wood, and I work here for Restoration Yard, and I also work as a therapist here. And you know, I have clients who come to see me and they've never maybe talked to a therapist before and they're, they're terrified at the first kind of session. You know, they don't know how they're going to feel, how emotional they're going to be. Um, and I think it's so powerful and so helpful to have people like you, Jojo, just um, sort of on using social media as a force for good. <laughs> um, and I'm really passionate about that. I think that... In, in our society and what, what I hear from my clients, there's a lot of loneliness, there's a huge amount of anxiety, there's a lot of depression, there's a lot of shifting of roles from um, a corporate position to having a baby and being a mum all of a sudden to having um, a job and then maybe having um, uh, an illness and having to stop work um, and all kinds of things that can happen. Um, even retirement, these periods of transition that we have um, can be really tough. Mm. So, um, so yeah, I would really love to ask you, um, Jojo, just a little bit about your story and what inspired you to write this book, this fabulous book. Oh, thank you. Uh, who thinks they have a book in them? I'm not I'm not sure what point I realized I think it was after a year traveling and um, I'd been in the wrong relationship so my best friend said to me at the airport why why didn't you cry when you you left your boyfriend that's not right Um, because I was leaving him and going traveling and then we were going to get engaged and stuff and something just didn't feel right um, but I think sometimes we make these excuses that it's fine, it's fine, you know. Um, and we go on autopilot, so I got on the flight and set off. 
and next thing I'm on this beach in Thailand and I think, who's been to Thailand here? It's just such a great place to have, I mean I love the beaches, I love the people, I love the vibes and I just had this moment of clarity that I had to end my relationship, I was going to stay out for a year, I was going to work out what I really wanted and I think when I came back from that year away I'd learned so much because I'd had time away from this kind of always on busy fast paced life that I was very clear about what I didn't want and I thought oh, I've made so many mistakes over the years that I want to start writing a book to help other people so I kind of experimented with blogging to mm -hmm. see if people would resonate and they did and yeah, that was where the initial seeds were planted. So I started writing this book and then ended up getting a job in boutique hotels that I really loved and met this guy. So I was kind of sort of besotted with him and uh, parked it for a bit. And, and then kind of a lot of other things happened. So that was when I got to that. Yeah, amazing. Amazing. And... Um, and you've had some you you've had some quite difficult experiences of of mental health in in your family. Mm -hmm. um, you know what 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 was it that? I think for me, looking back, when I was a teenager, I used to shake uncontrollably, and I mm -hmm. didn't really understand what mm -hmm. it was. Um, so if I had like a piano exam or something, I would be like shaking so hard. Or I, I used to be terrified of singing. If you've seen me on stories and stuff singing, you might think that's weird. Like, but I was terrified of like singing in public. And uh, I used to really want to go for the big parts, but I was too scared because I would just shake so much. So I didn't really understand what it was. But looking back, it was anxiety and. I'm looking through sort of family history, it runs in the family, so it is partly genetic and partly learned behaviour and partly just limiting beliefs that we pick up from. Is everything okay? It's the clock, yeah. Oh, the clock, I love it. Um, so, partly limiting beliefs as well. You know, when people, they can make one comment, like, you're the shy one, you're the anxious one, and then you take that on with you for the, all these years, and you carry these stories that might not even be your belief, but it's so easy to sort of pigeonhole yourself as that person. So, looking back, I realised I was very, very like my dad. So, my dad's a bit like Robin Williams-type character, very good listener, very caring, loves people, loves to party... Um, and seeing my dad start to kind of break away from us, push us, I, I wasn't too sure what it was at first. I thought it might have been cancer or something and he didn't want to tell me. And then um, he asked to have a chat with my husband because my mother-in-law is bipolar, so he really understands. And he was saying, I'm having irrational thoughts, but I'm not really sure you know that thing that shame that mm -hmm. fear to talk about mm -hmm. it when actually we all have a mind that can misbehave so it's nothing to be ashamed about but i think he was you know we have an ego as well which mm -hmm. we try and protect when you know what's more important is that we're okay and i think for dad he did start to talk but then the medication didn't agree with them so it made him worse so seeing dad deteriorate so quickly mm -hmm. i think the biggest mistake I made was taking it personally so mm -hmm. I thought it was something because we're so close and I'm so like him 
I was like, well, why does he not want anything to do with me? Like, what have I done wrong? Why doesn't he want to see me anymore? And, you know, making all these stories up in my fragile mind. Um, when dad just needed help, the medication wasn't working for him. He, you know, it was a process. Mm. So I think for me, I thought, wow, that lesson to not take things personally and to try and, because we will never get in someone else's head. We'll never get in their lens so all we can do is take a step back and try and figure out what's going on. But the first key for me was don't take that personally. It's so easy to take anything personally. It doesn't have to be someone, you know, experiencing depression or anxiety and pushing you away. It could just be a comment someone makes when they're stressed, but then we let it build. And it's really, really easy to take that personally. Mm -hmm. And then you make up all sorts of stories in your own head. Um, and it happens all the time. So it's just normalising stuff like yeah, this. Yeah, absolutely. And it's also, I think, really important when, you know, we have somebody that whom we love, you know, maybe a friend or family member who has a mental health problem or even a physical health problem, that we don't kind of focus in on the illness. Yeah. We don't focus in and kind of pathologise it, but we just see... Um, you know, our, our loved one, our friend, as kind of healthy and whole and, yeah. you know, themselves. Because it's so easy to kind of um, fall into that pattern of um, people come and see me and they, they, they say, oh, I've got depression, I've got anxiety. I've, and, you know, it's almost like giving power to the... I mean, yes, I understand people get diagnosis um, and they're on medication, but... It's it's like I, when I used to work at St Columbus Hospice, and it was you know p people would come and they wouldn't necessarily kind of tell me their name. They would tell me what kind of cancer they had, mm -hmm. um, and and I think if we kind of give power to um, back, you know, we take our power back, and you know, well, you know, your dad was still your dad, you know, despite mm -hmm. his kind of mental health condition. Yeah. But what a powerful experience to have, and and actually. Um, how often sort of children, particularly younger children, not under the age of 10, when that part of our brain that is the rational part, the prefrontal cortex, that more sort of evolved part of our brain, um, isn't sort of necessarily as developed, um, you know, children and young people kind of think, well, there's something I've done wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, there's that kind of amygdala, that kind of more primitive part of our brain, mm -hmm. you know, goes into kind of threat state mode, panics, and thinks, you know, there's something I've done wrong. So, mm -hmm. And that's so difficult, isn't it's it? Hard. It's it so is hard. It is hard. Yeah, and, um, and how, did you, how did you cope? How did you get through that? So it was a really horrible time. Um, I think writing helped me. So even if you don't have a book in you, like get dumping your thoughts yeah. on paper yeah. is so important. And, um, and, and talking, so mm -hmm. people that actually understand what you're going through and having a support system, because we were saying earlier this week mm -hmm. that not having that support and that yes. connection is what they say it's more dangerous than smoking like 50 yeah it's i mean social isolation is is if you look at the 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 implications on life expectancy it has the you know same impact as, as smoking it's and amazing, that's why they it? say women live longer because look at tonight you know because yeah. uh, we we talk and things are you know i do have guy followers that which is amazing as well 
who will talk, but I think it, there's still a lot of work to do there. But when we talk more, it helps. But sometimes it's not easy to talk. But even if you've got a couple of people that you really trust, yeah. that you can talk, um, is so important. Even if we have to really force ourselves. Like I've had people open up to me and I've been really surprised to say, oh, I really need to tell you that I've been struggling. And I'm like, yeah, really? I would have had no idea because it's so easy to walk around with this mask on, like I'm fine, I'm fine, everything's okay. And we're just trying to plod along and we're all so busy. And <coughs> But if you build that pressure, then it's just gonna, you know, you're gonna get yeah. to the point. Like, well, you're saying you've been a lot busier, which is amazing. This yeah. really excites me. And it really excites me that people have come tonight to normalise this stuff because some people are like, what is this all about, this well-being chat and this mental health chat? But I think it's amazing that we're starting to talk more about it. Like, this stuff really excites me. So the fact that, you know, you guys are busy with people coming to talk because, you know, in America, it's just seen as standard. Like, people have a therapist because we have this mind that's a bit like a puppy. It needs trained. Mm -hmm. We get all these thoughts. And what you were saying about you know not having to take them on so with me I was very aware as I got older right I'm very like my dad I'm very anxious in ways but that doesn't mean I'm going to have to live with that the rest of my life so I started to really challenge myself when I would get those anxious thoughts and those feelings and I did a lot of work on myself a lot of reading a lot of research mm-hmm. a lot of you know it took time I put myself out of my comfort zone and now, I mean, if you said to me, get up on a stage tomorrow in front of 10,000 people, I swear I would jump up. I would be nervous because I care, but I get nervous at any event I do because I care, but I would do it because I, I kind of, I've learned to just, yeah, just not buy into those stories that my mind tells me. So start to distance myself mm-hmm. from those stories. Mm-hmm. So rather than say, I'm an anxious person, Oh, well, I'm noticing that I'm feeling anxious right now. Mm-hmm. So it's not making yeah. it, as you were saying. It's, yeah. You know, I'm noticing I'm feeling a bit jealous. I'm comparing. I'm noticing I'm comparing my husband to that guy because he seems much nicer. Like, <laughs> my husband's being an absolute dick, this mother. <laughs> you know, and uh, but actually noticing it. And I remember at Christmas because a friend said to me, she was like, are you and your husband all right? And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, are you all right? I was like, I don't know. Um, I think so, but I'm noticing that I'm getting really annoyed with them. And I'm noticing that I'm wanting a bit. So I got this lazy spot, right? I love being in the water. <laughs> and then, yeah, so he was moaning about the lazy spot because he was doing all the maintenance. And uh, I was like, you're so ungrateful. That was your birthday present. Like, I can't believe you reacted like that. But anyway, he, he does do all the maintenance, bless him. Uh, so chlorine and all the stuff that I just don't care about. I just want to be in the water chilling out. But I remember having this moment on New Year's Day, just sitting in the lazy spa on my own, distancing myself from all the aggro and the narcs that we were having. Uh, and just having that space because the issue is like we have the kind of fear part of our brain you know the anxiety and all the stuff we need to keep us alive Mm -hmm. and then we have the drive you know all those hormones we need when we're achieving we're making progress in whatever work or relationships or whatever but then we need that kind of (laughs) comfort you know Mm -hmm. that that part that Mm -hmm. is getting neglected Mm -hmm. so we're we're ticking all the boxes everywhere else you know we're feeling the fear we're feeling the busyness we're rushing around we're feeling the panic but to actually take time to feel really calm and grounded through all the tools that are available 
it just sometimes feels impossible. Mm -hmm. So what I want to do is make it easier for really busy people, whether you've got kids, a busy job, you know, whatever it is you've got going on. Absolutely, I totally agree. And I think you've obviously been paying attention really well in your mindfulness course. (laughs) Oh yeah, I'm a geek, I'm a total geek in this stuff, but we kind of need more geeks. (laughs) Absolutely. No, I mean, I think it's fantastic. And I think it's one of, because I teach mindfulness as well, and it's one of the challenges is after eight weeks, how do you support and encourage people to keep Mm -hmm. using the tools? Keep sort of, I don't know how many people here have done mindfulness or some kind of meditation. I know some of you come to Lynette's class and um, because I think that's the challenge. And, And sometimes I have clients who come to me and they say, and I talk about self-care a lot, and 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 really just you know that whole concept of you know we've got a self-care tank inside us, and when it gets empty, we really need to fill it up. Otherwise, we're going to start kind of you know problems. Are, we're we're, we're going to hit a wall, and mm. our bodies are going to start telling us, even if our minds won't accept it our bodies are going to say listen you know you need to chill out and relax Mm -hmm. um and uh, you know i'm constantly reminding people about you know what what are you what are you doing what are you going to do over the next seven days i often see people weekly and um and they say well i don't have a i don't have an hour to go for a massage and i don't have half an hour to sit and meditate and i say to people just start with a minute tomorrow all you need to do is start with a minute for yourself and then rather than saying, I'm going to spend half an hour doing something for myself and then not managing it and then feeling like a failure. And as most of us, by the way, have got that I'm not good enough or I'm not enough kind of unhelpful kind of underlying kind of belief. Um, it just kind of hooks that stuff up if we don't manage to do what we've written on our to-do list and we you know particularly if it's for ourselves mm-hmm. um so one to doing one minute of something um and then feeling yeah i've managed that mm-hmm. it's a kind of boost you know we get the oxytocin we get where we're you know that drop that soothing care yeah. um system that you're talking about you know we give ourselves these natural opiates and then the following day maybe two minutes so that's yeah. how these small steps build up to a more sustainable practice. We need that oxytocin. We need we that, definitely we need that do. natural hit, you know, yeah. to get more of it in our life. Yeah. But, but it's hard. And it feels like sometimes everything's against us. It's like, I have too much to do. But the thing is, you're always going to have more stuff on the list. It's yeah. never going to stop. There's mm-hmm. always going to be people needing you. There's always going to be stuff to do, goals, exercise, runs. You know, I've been chatting to some people here about that tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, healthy eating, you know, vegetables to chop and all that. Um, (laughs) There's always going to be another thing on the list. Exactly. But if we don't make time to do these things, like today I was like running ragged, school runs and thinking about tonight and all stuff on the list, brands chasing me and stuff. And I actually had to take myself up to the room and I used an app, a really deep kind of relaxed for 40 minutes. Uh, (laughs) I went for it. But I didn't really have time for it. Totally didn't have time, but I felt so much better after it. And actually the work I achieved was better because my brain had had that. So you're more creative, you've got more imagination, more resilience when you take the time. But as you say, 
I was blessed with 40 minutes today. That that doesn't happen most days. That yeah. is just, just and it's a, it's a mindfulness teacher's joke that you know it's great to meditate for half an hour a day. And if you're too busy to meditate for half an hour a day, meditate for an hour a day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but the thing is, our our mental well being is everything. Like it impacts our relationships, it impacts how we look, it impacts our sleep, it impacts our life, it impacts everything. So mm-hmm. I just have to remind myself constantly. And even if it is, I'm just going to do a mindful minute today in the shower, or I'm going to, you know, just do something nice for myself. Yeah, and it's that it's that concept of taming the mind, you know, mm-hmm. as as Ruby Wax, you know, says, the wild mind. Oh yeah, <laughs> because we get frazzled, don't we? I mean, and particularly when we're in that kind of drive state the whole time, and we're you know, we're, we're triggered by things and we, we think, oh, I have to do all of this stuff before. I mean, I had a similar day. I ended up kind of seeing a couple of extra clients because, you know, they were really struggling mm-hmm. um, and, you know, squeezing things in that I probably didn't have time for. And, um, you know, we do, we push ourselves and we think, oh, just I'll be okay, I'll be okay. And then, oof, you know, um, definitely kind of, you know, it's good to start noticing what's, happening in our bodies mm-hmm. and, and actually kind of grounding ourselves. We were having a chat earlier and we, we, we wondered if we could just maybe spend a couple of minutes together just doing a quick kind of centering and grounding. Would, would, would everyone be okay with that? And, you know, if you, and if you don't, then it's absolutely fine. Just, just sit and kind of, you know, Take okay. the time for you. Okay. I'll just try not to fall asleep. That's okay. Okay, so 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 we'll be quite brief because um yeah, so we'll to kind of have people too drowsy. So just starting if if you will with your feet flat on the ground and really getting a sense of the ground underneath you. And maybe you would like to imagine that you've got golden roots growing from the soles of your feet right in to the centre of the earth, really helping you feel connected to the earth, grounded and rooted. And just become aware of all the parts of your body that are in contact with the chair. Starting to notice that pattern of sensation. And gathering your attention in to the breath. And start to feel the breath as it enters the nostrils. Maybe there's a cool feeling as you breathe in. Perhaps it feels a little warmer as you breathe out. Following the breath into the body and following it out. Just like you're training a puppy. Your attention wanders, gets distracted by thought which is completely normal. And we can just notice that and just come back to the breath 
Perhaps just start to deepen the breath slightly. Perhaps imagining that you've got a balloon inside your tummy and as you breathe in that balloon gradually expands. And as you breathe out it just slightly, your tummy flattens. Balancing the in-breath with the out-breath. Noticing all the parts of your body where you might be holding tension. We often don't notice the tension in our shoulders or our neck or elsewhere until we start to calm the mind. <coughs> and just allowing some of that tension just to start to soften. And as your body feels supported by the chair and the floor, your mind feels supported by your body. And as your body starts to let go of any tension in muscles, so your mind can start to let go of any attachment to rigid thinking patterns and unhelpful beliefs. And just coming back to your breath and centering yourself. And just using this grounding and connecting with the breath and the body as a way of building resilience for yourself. Just like we're exercising a muscle. And just allowing your breath to come back to its natural, comfortable rhythm. The rhythm that you don't need to think about. And if you do have your eyes closed, just start thinking about opening them. And at the same time, just start moving your fingers and moving your toes. And, and just opening your eyes when you're ready. Thank you for practicing with me. Thank you. <laughs> I hope I, I hope I could get everyone to sleep. <laughs> it's interesting. I feel a real shift in the kind of the atmosphere. So it's cool. Yes. Take me to the beach. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So um, we were we were chatting a little bit before the event started and also to each other about, you know, some things that, you know, are, are issues for people. And I think one of them is that kind of, um, you know, having a baby, having children, and, you know, sometimes it's not as kind of perfect as we <laughs> as we hope it, it it was and I don't know what your experience of that yeah I mean chapter was. three is called shut it perfect mom yeah, so that yeah. probably shows how I feel about that mm. but um, yeah <coughs> I mean my mom had three I've got two and, and we both say hardest thing you'll ever mm -hmm. do um, I think the pressure is you know with the likes of Instagram and you know people 
posting with the pram shots and all of that. And of course that's nice, but nice to have a cool pram and whatever. But yeah, it, it's really, really hard. We're not getting enough sleep. Um, kids are just, they don't talk to you, so it can be quite lonely. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't really know how the hormones and everything's going to impact you. Yeah. For me, I was, <laughs> the anxiety kicked in because I was paranoid so when they were coming to visit me i was like how does the house seem do i seem okay do i seem on edge do i seem fine <laughs> like yeah you're fine um but i was just anxious um and then i just i assumed i would breastfeed bonnie was having none of it so i was like so upset because this image i thought it just wasn't the way it just didn't work out you know and with charlie i didn't think i would be induced and then get a section and then i couldn't move couldn't drive so all these different feelings and you're comparing yourself to other people and all they make it look effortless and they bake scones and all this like we're just surrounded by comparisons and pressure from this little puppy in here so i i think it's it can be a really hard time being pregnant it can be a really hard time after and i think you know, I, I've had mums say to me, people call them perfect mum, but then mm-hmm. they say, well, I don't want to let my guard down and say that I'm struggling because I don't want to be that person. That's not who I am. I, I'm the strong one mm. or I'm the one that just gets on with things and say, yeah. well, who told you the strong one and why do you have to be the strong one all the time? Like that's not going to, you're going to crumble eventually. So I think it was just really important to normalise how hard it can be. Yeah. Um, and I've not met anyone that finds it easy. No. So. so so, I worked for almost three years at Crossreach's perinatal mental health service. And I mean, it was... And actually, I have to say, I didn't just see um, mums. I saw some dads too, because I think it's, it's hard for dads too. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the, the, the biggest things that I, you know, kind of encounter were people just saying... Um, I just don't think I'm doing it as well as everyone else, mm-hmm. you know. And and I have to say, social media, mm-hmm. it doesn't help with that it because doesn't. I mean, what one of my clients, she was amazing actually. She ended up in um, uh, talking on on Radio Four, and you know, when I first started seeing her, she could barely kind of leave the house, mm-hmm. um, and she had kind of perinatal anxiety, and. Um, she went to, um, when we were working together, she went to a, a group um, and she sort of built up her courage to say in the group that they were all talking about how kind of fantastic, you know, their births were and their babies kind of slept perfectly. And she said, well, actually, things have been really kind of difficult for me and they're still really difficult. And she said everybody just kind of looked away and it was almost like she had some kind of you know disease that they didn't want to catch and then she said that almost half the group one by one came up to her and said actually you know me too me too but they kind of couldn't say it and isn't that kind of amazing how so many people have that experience and they can't say it because they're so worried about what other people think of them yeah it's a shame and we don't know that pressure can come from childhood it can come yeah. from mm-hmm. so many different places yeah. you know and I just say to people and my dad's advice you know don't be so hard on yourself and yeah. everything you do you know yeah. and uh, just cut yourself a bit slack yeah please because yeah. Yeah. you're worth that and you just need to give yourself a bit more love 
and, yeah. and, and put yourself... Like, I used to be scared of the word selfish. I think my mum planted that fear in me. Cause she, mm-hmm. Yeah, my mum's quite, like, just get on with things. And yeah. I book her in for massages now because she won't do it because I'm selfish because <laughs> I go for massages. But I'm like, no, I'm actually... It's quite a selfless act because I have more to yeah, give. Yeah. I'll take you with me and she'll oh I kind of see what you mean actually maybe mm. it's not selfish but you know we pick up that's just an example of a belief I picked up that I was yeah. selfish because probably from a comment my mum made mm-hmm. I was like oh maybe I shouldn't like take the time for that but actually no if you don't take the time then you're not going to have anything else yeah. to give well that's absolutely right so 12 I worked I ran a therapy service in a hospice for 12 years and we we offered um, our service to carers um, and families as well as patients and I would often say to the, the the family members you know I think it's time for you to you know kind of have some therapy some therapy and, and actually we were doing kind of body work massage there were all sorts of things offered and you know, every time people would say, no, 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 you know, it's not, this is not for me. And we would say, oh, yes. You know? <laughs> and the patients would be saying, make sure my wife has a therapy because, oh, my goodness, you know, she's driving. <laughs> but it's true. It's that whole thing about putting our, you know, oxygen masks on before we can help other people. And, uh, you know, for mums and for people who, you know, caring for elderly relatives. Mm-hmm. It's really, really vital. Yeah. I think that's hard and I think it can be I mean when we were caring for dad you sort of felt like especially mum she felt like she had no time like yeah. going for a haircut was bad like hard and um it, it can be because you want you sort of feel like you know how to care for them or yeah other people aren't going to do it a certain way but yeah she needed that that time and, and if something does go wrong because once she left me with him and he was getting really paranoid and he basically ended up calling the police because he was like you're not safe here with me and I was like dad don't be silly like well that's not a good thing to say to someone who's had feeling anxious but I was like dad it's fine I'm not scared it's just the medication it's fine just take some deep breaths mm-hmm. but he the police turned up at the house because he was paranoid that he was going to hurt me because that's those were the thoughts that he was getting yeah. through the mind um, so I can understand, or you know, if you, someone had said, you know, they've got uh, children in hospital and stuff, I and mean, that's really, really hard to yeah. have when you've got people that that can be all-consuming, mm-hmm. and it's saying, well, how, what, what would be a good way for them to get something without necessarily having to go away for an hour massage or something? You know? Well, that's right, and and actually, I did this with a, a lovely lady that I saw today for the first time, and. It wasn't a child in hospital, but it was, you know, a child having a pretty horrific experience, you know, at school. Um, and she was very distressed. And, um, and, and I do tapping, I do EFT. And, and actually, we just, you know, we just tapped. Um, and I showed her how to do it. And we managed to calm the emotion down for her to tell me what it was she wanted to tell me. Mm-hmm. Um, and we and went away um, and she was going to go home and she was going to do this with her daughter with a little sheet that I gave her and um, and then let me know tomorrow how it went because sometimes we we get triggered in that threat state that you were talking about there yeah. um, and it's really difficult to um, to sort of discern what's real and what's not real yeah. and we start believing our kind of irrational thoughts and that can be a really scary play you know scary enough for your dad to call the police yeah it's different levels i spoke to someone today and they were saying that they just 
worry a lot. Like they've had periods with anxiety where they think they're going to die that day. Yeah. But they're carrying that around the whole day. So they just think, you know, if they exercise, they're going to pass out. They're going to... Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. And yeah. something like that. Yeah. And panic attacks are, are frightening. Everyone that I've spoken to that has had a panic attack, the first time they had one, they thought they were going to die. And, you know, I know people who've, you know, actually phoned 999 and ended up at A&E. And, you know, I think normally they're quite good with people. They're like, actually, you know, you're not, you're, you, you know, this is... But, but actually, anxiety is, is that frightening. And, um, and, I, and I think it's, it's definitely something which um, people can get help with as well. You know, and it's a frightening thing. But it is definitely something that people can get help with. Yeah, it's not. And, and there was a comment, you know, I'm going to have anxiety for the rest of my life. Yeah. That's not necessarily true. Like, there's so yeah. much you can do, so much help you can get. And it, it's tough for teenagers at the moment, but everyone is, you know, a lot of people are going through it. So it's actually yeah. saying, well, if you are starting to have those thoughts, like for me, what works is trying to distance or to, to recognise them coming <coughs> in and then see how I can manage them. But uh, I've, I've always been that. I get thoughts, you know, on the bus. If someone looks dodgy and they've got a bag and then I'm starting to go off, do I get off the bus? Like, what's going to happen? Mm -hmm. And then I say, oh, I'm just noticing I'm feeling these thoughts. And, yeah. you know, but I can understand for some people they need more than that because the levels can fluctuate. But would you say with the latest guidelines, like, there's things, because there's a lot on what we eat can yeah. spur on our anxiety, the yeah. chemicals, the plastics... Um, you know, alcohol, I, I love to drink, you know, but if I have too much, it can start to play yeah. on, on that. When I had my first panic attack, it'd been because I was partying too much and travelling. I wasn't sleeping enough, I was having too much caffeine, <coughs> but it was more of a, um, like, my mind, I thought I was losing my mind, and that was really scary, but I thought I was going to die, yeah. but yeah. die from losing my mind, or, you know, yeah. but I had to yeah. take myself away, do my breathing, and then start to understand what I was feeling, so I could distance myself or when it, I started to feel one come on mm -hmm. realise what it was so do the breathing and even things like if I have too much green tea like yeah. that can trigger it and yeah. I didn't know green tea could be a trigger yeah yeah, and, and we've all got different triggers and one of the things I do with people is actually you know ask them to map you know their symptoms and what they were doing and you know it's 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 incredible how some people haven't noticed that you know they drink five cups of coffee a day and they tend to feel quite anxious or they tend to not sleep that well um, and, and it's something that I've learned to ask a lot more about is how people sleep how people eat um, how much water they drink I mean you know actually that can make a huge difference goes for the water yeah now. exactly it can make a huge difference um, and also you know whether people take non-prescription drugs actually can can cause a, a, a quite a lot of anxiety and kind of so um, and alcohol I mean I think I'm a big fan of not being too rigid about anything in life, I think as soon as we become too rigid, as soon as we sort of say, apart from people who really and truly that's the only way that they can manage, you know, um, dependencies like that, um, you know, I think it's good to be able to be a little bit flexible, but, you know, it is clearly, um, the research shows that it's not brilliant for us, so it's about 
for me it's about you know if I and I like a type of few drinks as well it's it's how can I balance that out with water how can I make sure I eat healthy and mm-hmm. try and get a lot of sleep over the weekend or something like that because um but we were talking about just getting together and talking and and being part of like a, a tribe you know a group finding kind of like-minded people and and that can be really really meant protective of our mental health and i think sometimes we we think we can cope okay on our own um and i think when we're struggling like you were saying you know having you know maybe when your dad was unwell or when you've had your children um sometimes it's easier to kind of you know withdraw not kind of make the effort to contact people Mm -hmm. you know i had a client yesterday and she was saying her partner had left her and she said but you know I'm there's nothing interesting about me you know why would anyone want to be friends with me or you know go out with me and it's like well actually that that's what depression sounds like Mm -hmm. and the only way to start breaking that kind of is to put one foot in front of the other and you know it's really hard but it's like reach out to somebody and say or, or go to a group or even come, you know, to a, like a class and yeah. say to somebody, do you want to have a cup of coffee afterwards? It's just these small kind of steps that build up and kind mm-hmm. of help. Because we all hear, like I get those thoughts and people say mm-hmm. to me, oh, you're not, yeah, you're fine. And I'm like, no, I get thoughts like that because we have, like our mind can be an absolute asshole sometimes. Yeah. And I, I notice these thoughts coming in, but it's just challenging them and saying, well, actually... No, people don't hate me, and do you know? And we all have our own issues going on, and 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 if someone is judging you, maybe giving you a bit of a hard time, it's it goes back to not taking that personally. Yeah, it's so hard, but you you won't get into their lens, and the only way is trying to listen, I guess, and see where they're coming from. Like if I'm struggling with a family member and they're they've been quite hard work, I try and get into right this is probably coming from a place of love but they've just got different experiences and stories going on from me so I need to try and get in and see oh maybe it's just because they love me or a friend loves me and they're just looking out for me even though that actually sounded like really brutal like a bit harsh or or whatever and I think we have these inner critics I mean Mm. oh my goodness we you know we do and what what I invite people to do is um you know maybe kind of think of their inner critic in some kind of cartoon kind mm. of fashion like um oh one of one of my clients has got you know it's it's some sort of dark kind of hairy thing from a, an advert i can't even remember what the advert is now um and but we've also got this our wise boy our wise self or our healthy adult voice or our inner wisdom mm-hmm. and and I get people to just you know we we take you know a piece of A4 paper and we kind of you know put a line up the middle and we say right okay so if inner critic is saying this mm-hmm. you know because we've got these parts inside us um, so if inner critic is saying that um, you know what is inner wisdom saying and so we think about how can we turn the volume up of that voice, that inner wisdom? Because actually it's just about practicing it. It's just about trying to turn down the volume of the inner critic and up the volume of the inner And, you know, it's, a, it's habitual behaviour. Um, and, and often there's a, a, a younger kind of 
vulnerable child self as well that mm-hmm. it really just needs a bit of comfort and love and so and I say to people sometimes I demonstrate with a cushion and I say and what does that part need and it's like well actually it just needs a cuddle you know we need to soothe that part of us and you know I say to I say to them mo- mostly adults that I work with and I say you know do you have a teddy or something at home and I've never had anyone who said no <laughs> so they say right I've been cuddling my teddy and you know that's my four year old self and it's just mm-hmm. learning how to self soothe mm-hmm. and because of um, how we were soothed when we were babies um, that can have a big impact on how we are able to soothe ourselves mm-hmm. but it used to be that we thought that our attachment style was hardwired and if we were anxiously attached or if we were avoidant and had difficulty getting close to people you know we thought that we wouldn't be able to do anything about that and and now you know with neuroscience our brains you know this neuroplasticity I think it's such a exciting kind of that we can change our brains we can totally change we can totally change our brains we can get rid of these kind of yeah. nonsense thoughts it, it, that we you know, can believe sometimes we just have to be open to it and I'm quite an open minded person which I think helps mm-hmm. um, but just being open to like what we can achieve like there was a study on gratitude and if you sit your kids around the table and tell them to you know, express gratitude for three things you can mm-hmm. rewire their brains if they're naturally going to be like genetically pessimistic you can start to rewire but you can do that with adults as well totally and actually i think it's quite exciting about gratitude i often say to my clients you know just at the end of the day get a nice journal and write down three good things that have happened and i say they don't need to be big things it can be for someone who's depressed well i managed to get up and have a shower and actually get out of the house you know we're celebrating success in incremental stages but it's great if one of them involves some kind of achievement that they've made um but actually it almost works better if you don't do it consistently every day so um because often people say to me well i've been a bit erratic about my gratitude practice and I go great (laughs) my my supervisor um he you know sort of has the first week of each month you know that's his gratitude month so he kind of counts his blessings and then you know he kind of does other things for the and then at the beginning of the month he starts off again for for children I get them to draw you know round their hands and you know they kind of they say um, they write down, you know, a thing for each finger, like something good that's that's happened. It might be, you know, something they're grateful for, something that somebody did that was nice for them, something nice that they did for someone else, something they learned, and you know, whatever else they're kind of, you know, interested in. You know, it's that funny thing. So also, we were talking about the importance of social networks. Mm-hmm. You know, we only need five close people to be psychologically protective and that can be family as well as friends but people who will we can call if we're really struggling and also people that would call us that kind of thing and I say to kids you know if you have a friend for each finger you know that's really good 
And it's hard because people can let us down and I think yeah. it can be easy to meet people on social media but then perhaps you think you know someone and then they, they say they're going to do something or anything and you just feel that sense of rejection that can be a bit hard because then you're like, oh, people are dicks, don't trust people. you know. And then that yes. can start to build yeah. you know, because our brains are wired to focus on the people that are like nasty to us or people that you know unfollow us or see things or whatever and it can really like build and impact your confidence when actually yeah people let us down because who knows but don't take it personally well that's right that's right and and we've got a negativity bias you know our brains are programmed to scan the environment for danger and kind of particularly if we're feeling low mm -hmm. um, our brains think that they're helping us so it's like okay we have to pick out all the bad stuff that corroborates mm -hmm. this depressed feeling and so it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy and actually I think you need four good experiences to balance one not so good one so again that is one of the scientific kind of um kind of rationales for practicing three good things at the end of the day and actually just tuning that part of our brain that you know it's like we 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 are reprogramming our brain it's like we're setting our sat nav to aim for a different kind of destination i like that because some days it feels or weeks like it's just one thing after the next and then another hit and then your brain's just it's yeah. almost like your brain's just looking yeah. for the negative stuff and then yeah. you, you write that month off or you write that yeah. year off yeah and it can just spiral yeah. yeah and you talked about writing being being a kind of healing thing for you and, <laughs> and blogging in particular and how fantastically helpful that's been for so many people um and sometimes I recommend to my clients, I don't know if, I'm sure some of you have heard of um, Julia Cameron's morning pages. I mean, it's a, it's a really simple kind of process. You basically just um, get, and you can Google it and it explains all, but um, you can Google it. She, she originally wrote it, I think, to get over artist's blog. But if people have got difficult stuff that they feel like they you know, wake up with, you know, uh, scrap paper or, you know, kind of, and just actually write it down, um, start to kind of, um, she says just start off kind of writing about what you bought in the supermarket or, you know, you, you're basically just writing down kind of dear journal, you know, but then some of the emotional stuff comes up and, you know, you talked about feeling fine, I say, feelings inside not expressed. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, you can get that stuff out and in, onto paper and then rip it up, you know, take it outside into the garden and, and you know, set a light to it, kind of, because it's, it can be really helpful just to shift some of that stuff up. Otherwise we hold it in, in our bodies mm -hmm. and that's not that helpful. It can weigh you down. And it really can. It can impact the way you walk, the way you carry yeah. yourself. And yeah. You know, and I, I see my clients sometimes coming into the therapy room and they're sort of you know it's this kind of it's hard to explain but it's like people brace themselves you know particularly if they're anxious or if they're struggling to get themselves out um, and and that sort of internal feeling of really holding um, and part of that little mini kind of grounding and connecting with the breath was just about starting to un 
unravel some of that holding and then I see people's shoulders drop mm. and you know they they leave the room in a completely different sort of physical kind of um, posture so I'm conscious um, of the time and I just wanted to see if anybody had anything particular that they wanted to ask Jojo or even me I do yeah <laughs> <laughs> I want to ask you loads of stuff it's like free therapy um, <laughs> Don't be shy. Anything is nothing is off limits. Yeah, absolutely. Uncut. <laughs> and, you know, uncensored. <laughs> Even although we don't have alcohol. Yeah, yeah, no. Don't need it. Woo! <laughs> yeah. I'm just interested in, you know, in terms of maintaining positive well-being, mm-hmm. what do you think, you know, if you had to maybe say five things that are, you find from, and maybe both of you in your experience, make the most difference to keeping that positive yeah, yeah, because I, I find sometimes, and I, I did a podcast about PMS and hormones, sometimes there are days in the month that I'm just like, oh, I'm finding it really hard and doing all this positive stuff, but I'm like, oh, I'm really angry, and it's like the hormones are raging. Yeah. So, and, and some days in the month it feels like effortless to me because I've put in so much work on myself, but, or, but, but then things will always happen and shock you. Um, in life so I say for me generally is one being aware of how I'm feeling and why it could be you know if it's if it is that time of the month or if some I'm starting to get these anxious thoughts perhaps I've been really busy or whatever so focusing on how I'm sleeping and um, because at Christmas when Hubs and I were like raging with each other I wasn't sleeping great I was I was probably working too much I was getting really hooked on the What's the one? Not the oxytocin. What's the one you get when you really the dopamine? I was I was addicted to dopamine, I think, and I was getting it through you know progress and everything at work. <coughs> but I needed to chill out and actually get more. So being aware of that, challenging yourself, being really curious about it, um, movement. Like some weeks, I really just want to like slump on the desk and you know work. Um, so actually forcing myself to get out, go for a run, go for a walk. Um, I, I feel so much better when I do, even when the thoughts are telling me I can't be bothered. I was saying this earlier, we were chatting, and uh, it's just reminding yourself, even if you can't be bothered going for a run or doing that yoga class or whatever, how you feel after it or the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, eat it, like when I eat better, when I get more of my plants in me, I do feel better. Um, and there's a lot of chat about plant-based I've not gone completely off. I still like my meat and cheese, but I'm trying to go plant-based at least two or three days a week, and I do feel a lot better from it. Um, So just being aware of what I'm putting into my body and actually realising if I'm craving the fried food, well, that's probably when I need the good stuff more. So just having a bit of a plan, but I'm a foodie, so I'm not about bland food. I like spicing them up or trying out new recipes and stuff. So keeping it fun so it doesn't become like a... Ugh, boring reality. Um Music, absolutely. Um, music can just change your mood. And the GPs we've been chatting this week about uh, using singing as a, a form of medication. So that excited me because that's my top medication. You know, if the kids are screaming or if I'm having a tough day, I just mm-hmm. put a song on and I'm 
that is mojo to me when I'm lost in the music and I'm in the moment and I'm not overthinking, I'm not worrying, I'm not judging others, my ego's not flaring up about, they did this and they did I'm just with the music, loving life. And that to me is living right there in your flow. So absolutely music and, and yeah, talking, sharing. And, and sometimes it's just normalising these strange thoughts that we have and actually being, as you say, I love, you know, put a character to it or something. Yeah. But um, just really sharing and not letting those thoughts, because when you let them build and you don't share, it gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And people do want to help. Yeah. Um, there's always someone. Yeah. <laughs> and actually that point that you made there about, you know, normalising, I think a lot of people come to me and, you know, they say, oh, you know, this is how I'm feeling. And... You know, I, I do a short kind of self-compassion break um, kind of exercise with them, which is like actually, you know, we're, we're acknowledging the suffering that we're feeling mm -hmm. and then we're reminding ourselves that actually we're not alone. Many people suffer in the same way um, and that suffering's part of the human condition. Um, and in fact, if we weren't suffering, we're, you know probably a bit unusual or maybe not that aware and then we learn to kind of imagine what words do we most need to hear to soothe ourselves and just imagine that we're saying these to ourselves so um it's that sort of like we're really not alone yeah. probably everyone in this room has got something that actually feels like quite significant suffering and you know I, I know I have and you know you certainly have from you know what you've written about so yeah. we are one you know and we can kind of connect and reach out yeah I mean life isn't meant to be easy yeah it's yeah. just we are we are going to suffer totally. and it's like it, sometimes it can feel like an ongoing battle um, and then something happens you know you lose someone you love or you become a mum and you're like oh, this is really hard, or your husband's being a dick, or, you know, whatever. There's always some kind of challenge, and I think that's why the whole self-love and yeah. um, the exercises you can do. Is, yeah. I, I made a meditation on my YouTube for a talk I was doing recently about sending love uh, to your younger self and stuff, mm. and some people really struggled to send the yeah. love to the younger yeah. self. They were like, I actually got quite emotional doing that. Yeah. I was like, all right, maybe I'll not do that in every session then, because I don't want people crying in like corporate environments in front of their <laughs> colleagues. Uh, it's maybe probably a mojo retreat kind of thing, but um, I was like, just do it on your own at home or yeah. go to the toilet or yeah. hide. And I sometimes say to people, you know, it can be acceptance. It doesn't, you know, sometimes starting with love is a big leap for people. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. just kind of, you know, acceptance is a good first step. Yes. So has anyone else got anything that they'd like? Great oh, question, thanks. Mm -hmm. It's not because of the necessarily the stigma, it's more because of um, 
they just don't really see maybe their self worth and that it's, it's sit probably a selfish thing to do is to like spend money to go and yeah. speak to someone to make them feel better. How would you how do you suggest approaching that or starting that conversation or convincing them that it's something that would be a good thing for them to do? It's a great question. Yeah, actually. it's a really good question. I think for one leading by example, they they may not say it first. But like my hubs can be quite sceptical, he's got a lot more open-minded and I've got friends and my mum and people, but when they see the change in you, so, because we all struggle, so Mm -hmm. if you can say, oh, this has made me feel so much better, like you never know what's going on in their heads and through their lens, so even if they've got their guard up, you don't know how much of an impact it's having when they see that you're working on yourself or like I've given people books and they're like, I'm not going to read that. But um, you just never know. And sometimes it takes, like, maybe, like, with with guys, I find, like, if it's a sport guy, a sports star that talks openly about something or someone they admire, then mm-hmm. maybe send them that link or, oh, that, per- that speaker you really like or that comedian's talking about that. Isn't that quite interesting? Or, um, you know, if, if you know they're struggling. Like, my husband used to have a gambling addiction and he had his guard up and... Uh, it was quite a tough time because he's actually a bit of a saver and ironically we argue about the fact that I'm like stop saving so much can we just live a little bit more <laughs> but he used to throw all this money away and I, had to get, I, was like, I can't understand yeah. why you would throw that money away at the airport and those stupid machines but you won't let me get that nine pound cocktail like what's you just throwing a tenner in the thing but he would put his guard up and he's like I don't need help I'll be fine I can manage it my mm-hmm. way and Actually, the times I just moaned and ranted at him, it actually pushed him away. So that was quite hard because I was like, you need to speak to someone, you need to do this. So I guess it's, everyone's got to be ready in their own time to start to want to make the change and want to do the work on whatever they struggle with. And when we feel judged, that's the hardest thing. So mm-hmm. lessons I've learned is take the lead by example and, and uh, yeah, don't come on too heavy, although it's tempting sometimes to just grab someone and give yeah. them a good shake. Yeah. But, uh, but that concept of, of modelling um, and, you know, kind of being, you know, sort of, you know, showing people how we would like them to treat us, yeah. um, that, because I work with quite a few people who have relationship difficulties, and because of mirror neurons, it, you know, it's amazing how that can be quite helpful, and we look at communication, and rather than the, the language of blame and judgment, um, you know, if we start expressing our feelings and our needs, and you, you know, kind of gave a great example of that by like, oh, I'm noticing that I'm feeling, you know, this maybe anxious feeling, and it feels like uh, fluttering in my chest or, you know, in my tummy or something like that. Um, and actually, you know, talking about factual stuff that people can't argue with as well, that can be really helpful because, um, you know, it's about giving people permission to say that they don't feel okay because a lot of men have got this kind of rule that it's kind of weak to say that they're struggling. And I've got a lot of female friends yeah, and people I know that are very mm-hmm. like that too. Um, so, yeah, it's hard, it's hard. Yeah, it? but, you know, it's it's not an easy thing. And sometimes people contact me and they say, oh, I want to send my kind of husband to you. And I say, well, they kind of have to make their own decision to come and see me. You know, it's not that easy. 
But um, but sometimes, I mean, I, I, I retrained as a psychotherapist and did cognitive behavioural therapy because often GPs will say, you need to get CBT. Don't do anything else, you know, get CBT. And, you know, in a sense, sometimes if people's doctors have said, go for CBT, then they kind of feel that's okay. Yeah. Whereas something else like mindfulness might be a little bit, you know... Not sure what's going to happen. So, so that's interesting. And of course, they come see me, and then they get lots of other stuff as well. No, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. And I think the fact that they're speaking about mindfulness in schools, like yeah. England, are leading the way there. But yeah. it is becoming because it's backed by science now too. So we don't have to call it woo woo anymore. Science is showing that we need to do it, and our kids need to do it, and it's important for our brain, and we'll be better, happier people if we do it. So. Yeah. It's all normalising it. it we've come a long way the past, since I started five odd years ago. So many changes. Absolutely, absolutely. But a lot more work to do. Yeah, but, you know, you are helping. You know, you have made such a huge impact in this whole kind of um, debate and kind of opening it up to people that wouldn't necessarily have, you know, um, you know having been at the Wellbeing Festival and spoken to, you know, all of these people. So... Um, so I'm aware of our time and I know that Jojo's got some, some books uh, up at the back there that you will be, will be selling and you, you'll be signing <coughs> um, and I just want to say that um, I want to respect people's time but also you know, if you want to kind of um, continue to enjoy the, the healthy snacks and guacamole is really good. Yeah, absolutely. So then nice. please, you know, there's, there's, you know, we're not, we're not rushing you out, but we're just wanting to respect your time. So, and and I'm certainly going to be around until everyone else leaves. And I'm really happy for people to ask me, um, kind of individually, if there's anything, you know, particularly even if there's just something that there's a, a flyer on each of the. Um, chairs um, and there's little postcards both of these have got my restoration yard email address on it so you know if you've got a question that you want to ask um, about mental health you know I'm, re I'm really happy to, to to respond to that but I just want to conclude this part of um, the event and say um, you know thank you so much for all of you coming to start this kind of you know, this coming together and this talking and this meeting um, and talking about important stuff, but, you know, really importantly thanking you, Jojo, for coming and being part of this amazing conversation and this kind of um, well-being um, tribe. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And if anyone's already got a book and wants it signed and you've brought it, Right, I'm going to sing a set with one of my favourite songs from university. It reminds me of travelling, reminds me of freedom, reminds me of just living life in your mojo and being like, yeah, whatever. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, baby, feel it. You're beautiful, and that's for sure. You'll never, ever fade. Cause you're lovely, but it's not for sure That I won't ever change And though my love is rare 
though my love is true I'm like a bird, I'll only fly away I don't know where my soul is I don't know where my home is I'm like a bird, I'll only fly away I don't know where my soul is I don't know where my home is You don't need to know, you know, just keep Keep doing the work on yourself, you'll get there. Even after all these years, and it pains me so much to tell that you don't know me that way, yeah, yeah. Though my love is real, yeah, yeah, yeah. Though my love is true. I don't know where my soul is. I don't know where my home is. I'm like a bird, I'll only fly away. I don't know where my soul is. I don't know where my home is. Oh, memories. Memories of just, you know, just going for it. Um, guys, thank you so much for being back. Thank you for continuing to come back. I hope this has given you something to think about. It would be hard not to. We covered a lot today and my wish is that it really helps you in some way, shape or form through your own unique life lens. Um, may we judge less, love more and create the greatest story of our lives. Mojo!